listeners and welcome back to costume station zero for part two of my little chat here with amanda winter hello (laughs) and uh, we're gonna pick up where we left off what has been your favorite convention overall to go to you know it used to be Mm comic-con um when i was about 13 to 15 um it was really an amazing convention but comic-con's gone to a place where it's very difficult to enjoy it um, at this point now, I'd say that of all the conventions I've ever attended, even when I was younger, including Comic-Con, I've actually enjoyed Gallifrey more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a place where you can go, no matter what character you're doing, as long as it's done well, there will always be a handful of people who will recognize and appreciate it. And mm-hmm. everyone's sort of in that sort of sci-fi community, and everyone's really rather friendly, and you know they, they're very happy to share Mm-hmm. Any kind of information, they will they will give you a list. You bring a notepad to the Gallifrey because if mm-hmm. you see a costume and you want to like know how they did it, they'll give you a paragraph and then some, and they'll list off websites and, and places you can buy it. And everyone's just very willing to share, and they're all very friendly. And I love that about Gallifrey, and it's just not something I see as often in other conventions. Well, there there isn't really time at Comic-Con. Yeah, it's, it's just the like hustle and bustle of trying right. to get from one place to another, and there's so many people, mm-hmm. and... Um, this was my first time going to WonderCon was this year because it was in LA mm-hmm. and I loved it. Um, but it also, because it was its first year, felt a little bit empty yeah, or a little bit like lacking of something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure that it's just, it's just that it's new mm-hmm. in LA and once it gets more custom of to being there, it might be better if they keep it. But it just feels Gallifrey is just a very comfortable convention. It is, yeah. You you can feel the fan love there. Mm-hmm. I always say that. Uh, I was going to say, what was your uh, what year was your first Comic Con? Two thousand three. Okay, all right. Uh, mine was 01, and every time I look back, I'm like, why wasn't I going earlier? I was around was <laughs> back to the mid nineties, you know. Uh, yep. <laughs> But um, yeah, no, and, and you're right. It, it has changed a lot in that time, and uh, it's still it's still good to go to if you can get in. It's it's become so much harder to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, you, you have to pick your battles and know what you're doing. And if you're going to concentrate on the costuming, you're going to concentrate on the panels or the shopping or whatever the heck you're going to do. Mm-hmm. You have to kind of make sure that that becomes your thing. It's hard to do it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's technically impossible to do it all. But. Well, you kind of have to just go through everything and make a list of mm-hmm. things you're going to attempt to get through and then expect mm-hmm. to get, like, if you're lucky, through, like, about half of that list mm-hmm. with Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. Um, especially nowadays, you'll be lucky if you get through half. It's, yeah. It's more like you'll get through, like, maybe one-fifth of your list. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> that's That's why I just focus on the costuming. I do a little yeah. shopping and... I've almost given up wholly on panels and yeah, just yep. a whole nother 
Another thing that eats up the time, because boy, oh boy, boy, a con like that, it becomes all about waiting in lines. Um, so, <laughs> so along this, along these lines, whether it's in a convention or not, what what have been some of your uh, best or favorite experiences uh, in costume? Um, one of my um, favorite experiences was actually um, I was I was dressed as Legolas actually at Comic Con. And I was walking around the show floor with, with my friend April and this old man um, comes by and he's got some people with him and I didn't really recognize him. So I just thought, oh, he's just some guy with his friends. And he came by and he was like, I just want to stop you and say that your Legolas is the most amazing I have ever seen of anyone do. And it looks exactly like it should in my head. And I've never seen, you know, for you, you made that and you look like you're a girl and I can't believe how much you look like Orlando Bloom and you, you are Legolas and you did a fantastic job. Hmm. And then he walked away and I was like, I turned around to my friend April and I was like, what a nice old man. Oh, I, he's so nice. And she's standing there and she's got both of her hands over her mouth and she looks like, you know, shocked. And I was like, what, what was that guy? Someone important? Who, who was that? And uh, apparently he was the concept designer for all of the movies of Lord of the Rings. Like, oh, he was the concept designer. Wow. And I was, I, like, stood there in shock for, like, a couple minutes. Like, mm -hmm. I couldn't move. And I was just, like, so giddy and excited. I was, like, so proud. And it was definitely, like, it, it really, like, it reinforced that it was all worth it sort mm -hmm. of thing. Because that costume was, it was a nightmare to make. Because mm -hmm. I, you know, I had to do it perfectly. I used raw silk. And I had to learn how to do all the knots and the special sewing. And it, it was just a nightmare. And so, like, it really, really made me realize that no matter how hard a costume may be, the harder you work on it, the more worth it'll be mm -hmm. um, in the end. And so that, that was probably one of my favorite experiences. And then, again, I think The Vampires was another really good experience, was uh, winning the masquerade. I didn't expect to win anything. It was just sort of like a walk-on that I'd, like, blocked. You did as a lark or something. Yeah, like it was just sort of like, a, well, let's do this, you know. And uh, I'd, I'd kind of written this non-speaking script where the, you know, vampire queen comes on and the the minions holding up the umbrella and then the queen, you know, snaps her fingers. And so the, she gives the umbrella to the queen and then she walks off and, you know, goes for the audience and it's just sort of some silly thing, and I ended up winning. We ended up winning two awards. We won. I won one for my teeth, and we won one for uh, best characterization because hmm. um, they really liked the little skit we did, and they liked our characterization of the vampires. And so, you know, I I never. That was my first time winning an award in a masquerade that wasn't done as a group, and it wasn't done. It was it was me winning an award, not mm -hmm. me and everyone, someone else, or me and someone who had been helping. But it was I won two awards for two things that I had done mm -hmm. by myself at a big convention. And like, it was like a really proud moment of sort of me kind of breaking away and uh, doing my own thing. And like, I, as soon as I got out of there, you know, everyone came over to talk to, to, to me and everyone else who was in the masquerade. And, you know, everyone was, was very positive and they were impressed and it was very nice. And it was just sort of like a really, like a sparkling moment, you know, like mm -hmm. it was just, it was just a really good, good evening. So as you should, <laughs> um, yeah. And I, and I have to also point out that, uh, um, you, you were a great help in the Morbius skit we did the year after, which was, I'm sorry, this past year, but the year after the one you're talking about. Yeah. And, uh, I was very, very, um, happy and surprised that you threw together that sister of Karn costume so quickly. Yeah. Cause uh, I remember when that came up, I'm like, Oh, I hope they're okay. But Oh, well, I mean, you know, Solon didn't look great. It was just had to look good on stage. And, <laughs> and I'm like, Oh wow. And torches. That's amazing. So, yep. um, 
Yes, that, that was, uh, thank you for the help again. Yeah, that was great. actually a lot of fun. I, again, it was one of those things where it's like, well, I could do it kind of, and like, I didn't do it as perfect as, I mean, I was like, okay, I either have to do this like really good or just okay. And mm -hmm. I was like, well, I don't want to go and like embroider all this stuff and sew gems on and do mm -hmm. all this because it's going to be a costume I probably wear once or twice. So we kind of met the halfway point, but I was surprised by how, and I and then like I suddenly got really into it. <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna make torches. I'm gonna, I've got a flashlight, and I'm gonna put like, uh, like foam on it, paint it to look like wood, and then I'm gonna put the button as a knot so you can push the button and turn the light on, and mm -hmm. then you know put gels in foil and make it look like there's actual fire. And I like made this like these elaborate torches that I was like so excited to make. Like it came out of nowhere. Like I think that just the torches like excited me so much. The torches were a great time. <laughs> Even I'm like, wow, torches. All right, I thought we were gonna have to, I don't know, do construction paper or something. <laughs> yeah. Just for the comedy of it, because not that I want real flames anywhere near that costume. So, but, uh, yeah, now I have torches if there's a blackout at my house. Awesome. So I could just turn my flashlight torches on and... Do they, are they still... Look yeah, like they it? still yeah. work. I, I made them so I can get into them and get the batteries in and out. And nice. so now I have, like, these torch flashlights in my room and I keep them next to all my my toys and, and figurines and stuff. And awesome. Awesome. So if you ever, like, decorate and do, like, a dungeon motif, yeah. you're already part Good to go. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, keeping in mind for, for next year, we'll have to do something else. Um, yeah, not, unless, of course, you have something else planned on your own, which is, of course, always always awesome. But um, let me think. Uh, so conversely, uh, do you have any um, worst, funniest costume mishap stories? Um, I have, to this day, ripped two costumes in the middle of wearing them, like ripped my pants sort of thing. Um, okay. it was, they're both kind of like embarrassingly horrible experiences. One was, a there's a game called Phoenix, right? And I wanted to be, there's this like ridiculous looking character that nobody wanted to cosplay. Mm -hmm. And his name was Maximilian Galactica. And he was mm -hmm. kind of this like big pink clown that was like ridiculous. He, I call him a clown, but he was just this like big pink. He wore this, he was a acrobat. So he had this big pink cape and these big pink pants and his shirt was open and he had his abs hanging out and he had this giant pink bouffant mm -hmm. and he was just like, the makeup was just, um, and he was just so like he's just this drag queen acrobatic like and he was just funny to me i ended up figuring out i made it up i made a i took like a leotard and i air we air um, my friend alec my roommate alex airbrushed it to look like uh like a male chest and we mm -hmm. experimented with that but um i had made the pants a little too tight and my friend was uh making a joke about you know um squatting down and laughing at her friend and like she like got down on her haunches and she like was laughing at them and so, you know, um, she, she'd done something silly. And so I, like, I, I went to go do it too. And like, I went to go squat down and like, I hear like, uh -huh. and I was like, oh no. And like, I was really lucky because I had a cape. Mm -hmm. And so I walked around, like it was at the end of the evening too, but like, I literally like walked around the rest of the, like get, get out of that. And it was like actually at the same, is that anime Los Angeles? It's just at the same convention center that Gallifrey's at too. Okay. But uh, yeah, so I had to like the walk of shame out of the convention like hiding with the cave and like trying to like scoot down the hall like without anyone seeing mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then the second time was actually this uh, anime expo is dressed as Korra from uh, Legend of Korra of Avatar and I was wearing these like sweatpants that like I had kind of made in a hurry and I saw my friend and I was really excited to see her and so she like you know like held out her arms to catch me so I like ran and I jumped up and like and I wrapped my like legs around her and like I hugged her and like as I like wrapped my legs like my pants split again <laughs> And it was like, and I was like, oh no. And then like, again, lucky because the character has this little skirt that she wears over mm -hmm. her pants. But like the rest of the day, I had to be really careful because like she does a lot of like martial arts type mm -hmm. poses. And so people kept being like, well, can you do? And I'm like, no, no, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. So those were rather 
unfortunate. They, they sound like uh, uh, famous Jim West kind of moments. If, uh, <laughs> yeah, if you ever saw those, there's an episode of Wild Wild West where his his tight pants famously split in the middle of some fights. <laughs> yeah, the girls love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Kirk, his clothes are just falling off. Yeah, but that's planned. Yeah. There's <laughs> <laughs> like difference there. <laughs> you know, and it, t- it wasn't t- didn't take much to get Jim West out of his shirt. You know, no, was, yeah. You know, uh, so, have you had any strange uh, or common misidentifications you've ever gotten for a character? Uh, yeah. Um, I always go back to Kirk. Uh, Kirk and Doctor Girlfriend. When I did Kirk, for some reason, like people think that I'm either Kirk or Chekhov. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get people who don't know what it is who keep coming up to me, going "Live long and prosper," and they'll do the um, Spock yeah, the hand, Vulcan, Vulcan hand mm-hmm. thing to me, and like I. I'm like, I want to say, like, that's not my thing, like, wrong person, but I just don't. Like, I get called Chekhov often, or I'll get called, like, to people who don't know what it is, and they're trying to sound kind of like they know, mm-hmm. um, especially when I'm with my Chekhov, mm-hmm. um, or if I'm with my, if I'm with my McCoy, everyone thinks that's Spock. Okay. If I'm with Spock, everyone thinks it's McCoy. <laughs> and so, <laughs> it's just, like, one giant, like, everyone thinks that everyone's everyone else, because people don't know the show, so, like, mm-hmm. but they know Star Trek. All right. It's, like, a cultural phenomenon. Sure. So, even if you don't know what it is, you know, some of the people might know the names, and so they'll just, right. you know, and that gets kind of annoying. And the other one is, um, Dr. Girlfriend, everybody thinks I'm cosplaying Jackie O. Yeah. The first everybody. Time, first time I saw Dr. Girlfriend, I thought the same thing, but that's because I was not familiar with the show. Yeah. I got quickly educated, so. Yeah. I even got, um... At Comic-Con, I had gone to the Adult Swim booth, and they were very impressed. They gave me tickets to the Adult Swim uh, party. Mm-hmm. And I went there, and everyone at the Adult Swim party thought I was Jackie O. <laughs> and I was like, you guys are, this is your party. Like, yeah. should you know that I'm not Jackie O? Yeah, yeah. So that was yeah. kind of an interesting little realization of, you know, just because it's the Adult Swim party doesn't mm-hmm. mean that anyone's going to be there. Right. Or J- yeah. Just, just because it's the thing that you're not the thing you're doing doesn't mean there aren't still people that Yeah. Yeah. But there's in. a lot of people who did not know what it was. Uh-huh. So, um, I think actually, you know what? Only one other person actually came up and was like, great, Dr. Girlfriend. It was actually um, Grant Imahara came up and he was like, good, Dr. Girlfriend. And I was like, you're the only person that has known what I was doing this entire mm-hmm. evening. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So that was just sort of like surprising that like nobody knew what it was. But was the show new at the time? No, this is like in its f- couple seasons in. Like the Doctor Misses the Monarch had just been uh, mm. released that mm. episode ish. So yeah, it'd been out <laughs> for a couple seasons. It was there is no reason for it. <laughs> uh, Let's start here. You've done characters that are based from cartoons. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're now kind of focusing on live action. Do you find you prefer... I mean, I know you, you're obviously focusing on live action, but do you like the recreationist aspect of live action versus the interpretation of making a costume from a cartoon? Um, what do you mean, like, the fact that cartoons are rather vague and so you get a little bit more leeway? Yeah. Um, I, I like cartoons sometimes because it's easier to look like the characters so there's more that you can be mm-hmm. um because a lot of the guys are drawn like girls so like there's really like no limit to which character you want to be and no matter what it is you'll probably look good because everyone looks kind of feminine mm-hmm. um with a lot of the animes um as far as like the vagueness of the cartoons like you don't get the like well that's not the right like nose shape for this character or, like mm-hmm. you know sort of thing um and i find that like people are rather 
kind of picky about that for some reason. Whenever I do live action, someone will, well, it looks really good, but your nose is wrong. Or like, it looks really good, but your eyebrows aren't the right shape. And I'm like, really, mm-hmm. you're really going to pick me on that? But, you know, cartoons find that way. But on the other hand, like, it's also a double-edged sword because you also get the fact that because it's it's more vague, you get vaguer, less interesting costumes. Hmm. Um, like, we did Powerpuff Girls recently. Oh, okay. We had a huge Powerpuff Girls group. And it was really fun getting into the classic of it. I mean, we had everyone. We had him. We had the professor. And we had all the girls. And we had Mojo Jojo. And, like, right, right. you know, Mojo Jojo and him were fun because they were more elaborate. And I got to do the makeup on them. And it mm-hmm. looked really good. And it was a little creepy. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, right in the childhood. Nice, You know, nice. um, but, like, doing, I was, I ended up doing Bubbles. And the costume itself was rather boring. So we ended up making Octi, your little octopus um, stuffed animal, like, trying to add things to it to make it more interesting. Um, um, but because it's sort of a vague thing, like it's, it's very nostalgic and it's very classic, but it's also very bland. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't have, I had fun running around with it in it because it was older, but it was just, it wasn't a very dynamic costume to make. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like one of those costumes. Like if someone asked me, Oh, what costumes are you proud of? I wouldn't say that because it's not a very hard costume to have made, mm-hmm. you know? Gotcha. So, um, a lot of like what makes my costumes that are favorite, um, for me is, usually like a like oh i made this and it was impressive sort of mm-hmm. thing and i'm proud of myself so do you find that when you're dealing with live action then um uh, how much do you how much do you value screen accuracy to the you know utmost degree the the stitch accuracy if you, if you like versus let's just go for the the look of the character you know get the feel of it i'm off and on um i've never been as into screen accuracy as i have been with doctor who for some reason it's to me it's like more important um to my, in my opinion, as long as it, like, usually, like, it has to look right. It has to look good. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't necessarily have to be the right stitching or the right material. Mm-hmm. As long as it looks the same, to me, there's no, there shouldn't be an issue with it. Like, mm-hmm. um, for my rose, like, I was happy with my dress. Um, and I felt like it looked good. And I, and I hand-sewed all those sequins in. But I hand-sewed it to about like only my front and mm-hmm. I like left there's no sequins on the back of that dress like mm-hmm. I did it so that like if the jacket was open then you would see that and it literally took me like four days to sew all those sequins in and even that was actually inaccurate because hers are actually like a mesh of of sequins that are interspaced and they're sewn over the material mm-hmm. and I couldn't find a mesh that was like the right thing and instead of freaking out about it and getting something special ordered I was like whatever I'm just gonna sew sequins on no one will know the difference like, no one's going to come up to me and go, your sequins are sewed on instead of being a mesh. And if they did, then, you know, they're, they're at the wrong place. <laughs> <laughs> well, well I, I hear how uh, roses do get very competitive. They get so, scary. That yeah. was, that the fight for the jacket was terrifying. Oh. I, I Terrifying. And I ended up getting it for free, too. Mm-hmm. I cheated. Like, I cheated. I, I had, um, I had one person that was going to sell to me the jacket on eBay. And I was like, painful because i was like gonna spend a hundred dollars on it and i was like that's too much to spend on a jacket just for cosplay but i was gonna do it and then someone else had bought that person out and so they canceled the bid on me even though i was winning and like i felt that was unfair and it was really annoying because it was like a week or two before galley and i was like i have to make this jacket and i don't want to it's mm-hmm. gonna be a lot of work and i hate like i just don't want to and so i got stressed out so at like three in the morning i was desperately going around DeviantArt and looking at rose cosplayers and mm-hmm. offering like rose cosplayers money for their jackets and like yeah. you still cosplay this do you uh-huh. want it can uh-huh. i have it uh-huh. and this one girl who lived in england had her jacket that was perfectly my size and mm-hmm. she hadn't cosplayed rose in a while and she was like and I was like, can I buy it from you? And she's like, well, how much are you offering? I was like, however much you want. Like, I seriously need this jacket. She's like, well, do you sew? And I was like, yeah. 
And so she said, well, if you if you know someone who wants to do commissions, I'm looking to do the girl from Tangled. If you want to just make me a pattern, I need, I don't know how to make patterns, then I'll just give you the jacket. And I was like, cool. Nice. So she sent it to me and then never asked for that pattern. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> Funny. So I just got that jacket for free and it fit me perfectly. It was in perfect condition. Mm-hmm. And I got it like a week before the convention mm-hmm. and it didn't cost me a penny. It, it's nice when it works out like that, or it's nice when you can trade for something. I, mm-hmm. I know I traded for my one of my first Doctor Who uh, scarves, maybe not the first, but I think it was my second one, and mm-hmm. uh, it was it was like a three or four part roundabout barter trade through other people. You know how it is. They need something you don't have it, but you know someone else that can get it. Yeah. That someone else needs something else. Yeah. For that thing, and I yeah, I worked like a four way trade. <laughs> um, that'll have to be a story for another time. But yeah, that was it's great when it can work out like that in a way because then you feel a little more involved. Doesn't feel so yeah. Commerce you know mm-hmm. and uh, it doesn't sting the wallet as bad I mean it, there was still some money involved at the beginning of that chain but it wasn't as much as it would have cost me if I bought the scarf outright so anyway um, so what would you say is the most important thing you've learned so far doing this hobby sometimes you've got to first of all patience is important and sometimes you've got to accept that things Start as early as you can um, because sometimes things don't turn out the way you think they will or the way that you want them to. And it can be very upsetting to, and also like it can be very upsetting to work on a costume last minute but put a lot of effort and money into it and then have it not work out. You know, do do costume tests, try wearing the costume around the house a little bit, mm-hmm. and always do makeup tests beforehand. And just sort of be someone who is, you should be there for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't go with the intention of I'm going to get attention for this or mm-hmm. I'm going to get famous for this mm-hmm. or I'm going to meet someone for because I'm wearing this. Like you should be going with the intention of enjoying the thing that you're doing and enjoying the costume that you made. And um, even if you didn't make a costume, like be, be respectful of other people. Um, I feel like a lot of times you get people who aren't as respectful of other people's costumes or, um, you know, they, they, there's just touching or, or talking or things like that. Like people come up and... Do you mean like competitiveness? What do you mean? This it's, but it's two things. There's the competitiveness and then there's the physical. There's the like, I'm better than that person. I can do better than that. Or Mm -hmm. there's the slandering online where you see a costume and you've got nothing to do. So people just get on and they start talking about that person, you know, and it may be like your first run of a costume and you didn't expect that this was going to happen. So you haven't fixed it yet, but everyone's getting on your case already. Mm -hmm. You know, leave the person alone. It's not your, it's not your problem. Like, mm-hmm. let them, like, if you have advice, go ahead and give it. But mm-hmm. it's really actually, like, I've actually been turned off from fixing costumes and wearing them again because people were um, being really disrespectful um, about, like, the one malfunction online. So... Is it, are there certain, um, you know, uh, communities, or I should say, like, are there, is, is this more prevalent in Doctor Who fans or Lord of the Rings fans or Star Trek fans or anime fans? It seems fans, to go all blanket? over the place. I mean, the anime fans have 4chan, which is really just a really painful place everyone is I've heard yeah it's it's pretty bad and you know my group's gotten some attention because we're they they're a more well-known cosplay group um and so you know we get a lot of people who are and like it's a lot of things where it's like you get personal information that gets put online or mm-hmm. people purchase aggressive for no reason um and then with the doctor who community it seems to be an aggressive fight over certain companions like i don't find the males really care that much but a lot of the girls like it's kind of a cat fight whenever a new companion comes out yeah, with the, uh, the let's let's all ID what she's wearing. Who yeah. can get to it first, or what's like, the best look like? So. The Oswald dress is already like boom, scary. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's trying to find it, and um, 
it's 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 I it's just it's to me it deters me from ever wanting to do that costume. Yeah, the Rose and Amy seem to have it a lot, but there's a fair amount for River, and every once in a while there seems to be a bit of a thing about um, Tenant. Well, I wasn't going to say Tenant. I mean, Tenant. I mean, it just comes down to the gap trousers or a certain tie on Tenant. Yeah. But the uh, what I was going to say is uh, maybe Jack, um, but there never seems to be as much on Martha or Donna. Once in yeah. a while. But never on that scale. And yeah. I always thought that's interesting. I think it's because Donna, I think people, the young girls like the pairing. They mm -hmm. like the romance. And sure. so they like the characters that are paired with the doctor or the mm -hmm. characters that are really pretty. Donna was kind of middle-aged. She wasn't with the doctor. Martha, I actually don't like very much. I kind of found that she was a little whiny and she was a little bit, um, she, she was there for the wrong reasons. Like she was there because she liked the doctor and she didn't let that go. And so that kind of annoyed me because I'm, I'm kind of into the old classic where it shouldn't be about the romance. It should be about doing the job and adventure and you know adventure awaits and so like the little melodramas with like oh doctor i like you but you won't recognize it and you don't like me too and when like it's very high school to me mm -hmm. so i'm not a big martha fan and i can see why um people uh would you know if, if people are on the same reason that i don't like her then that that could be some reason why people don't care as much also because the doctor wasn't interested in her you know yeah, no, that no, that's that's the same theory uh, that um, yeah I've, I've heard elsewhere too. So uh, I, I can go with that. I and, and I agree. I'm I'm an old schooler. And I I prefer companions to be they're they're good friends, they're chums, you know, or yeah. the, the student pupil relationship kind mm -hmm. of thing. You know, uh, that's great. And uh, you know, I've had to go with it because that's new who. You know, and I guess yeah. to explore it once with Rose, uh, I, I I might let that go. But the fact that it's sort of in different ways been done with the unrequited thing with Martha and to another degree with uh, Amy, you yeah. know, that hasn't ended up that way. But let's face it, it started that way. Yeah. So it, it, it to me, it's like, okay, we've kind of done this. But then let's, it jumped into River. I feel like the, the new doctor has gotten younger and younger and more hormonal. Yeah, I suppose there's an argument for that, which you could argue started really with McGann and the kissing and, yeah. and all that. But, um, but like now it's getting to the point where like the doctor made a reference to like the Virgin Queen Mary not being a virgin anymore and things like that, where it's like you're really getting into like the doctor is not like a party animal yeah. or a slut. Mm -hmm. He's he's the doctor and mm -hmm. he's doing his job and he's this like this adventurous soul that's mm -hmm. just he's not he's not James Bond. Like he's right. not running around like explosions and sex and all this mm -hmm. other stuff. Like it should be more about the show. Yeah. And this, and the science of it, and the, the the adventure of it, and so I feel like that sort of bothers me. And I, like I said, I didn't mind it with Rose as much. I loved. I I, I think part of the reason I liked Donna so much is because she didn't right. have that that with him. And I was so happy to see first an older companion, and mm -hmm. second of all, one that was like just like not even like not interested, but like really not interested. And she would tell him like, "Don't get any ideas." I'm like, right. I love that. Mm -hmm. um, but it shouldn't even have to be said. No. I mean, you know, uh, that's my litmus test is always, you know, whenever they do something like that and they get into the, the, the soapy element or the melodrama, as you say, or the, the romance. And I always stop and go, could I see Trouton doing this? Could I see Baker doing this? Could I, could I see, you know, and Pertwee is the most Bondian of them all and he wouldn't do that. Yeah. And that's to me going like, yep, that doesn't. So for me, my, my who litmus test is always 60s and 70s. Yeah. Um, does it does it work there and you know and even a fair amount of the 80s but uh yeah it, yeah i go like if it doesn't seem to, if that scene does not belong then dad then i've either got to kind of i don't know ignore it or <laughs> yeah i've had to just ignore it yeah plug my ears yeah what's been the most difficult costume you put together would you say i think probably actually um either rose or midna 
Um, Minna from Twilight Princess, I had to do, cause she's kind of like this naked imp who has like Shamu type markings all over her. She's like black and white swirls or something. And she's got this huge headpiece and it's her hair floats behind her in the shape of like a hand, which mm-hmm. it like comes up over mm-hmm. her head. And she's got ears and she's got half her eye covered and she's got everything is painted. She's got claws and she's got contacts and teeth. And so that was really difficult um, and ended up having to get, funnily enough, I ended up buying a, a full body latex, like a fetish suit. And I ended up painting it Mm -hmm. and I had no other choice. It was like the only thing I could find that would work. And the headdress was styrofoam and cellulite clay, which, um, it's just like a paper mache sort of thing. And it looks like stone, Mm -hmm. which I'm going to be using in a, an upcoming costume. Painting that must've been a real, Oh, it was a nightmare. I found out that what you can do is get, um, rubber cement, which is like a type of, um, it's like a type of glue and you mix it with a little bit of paint tint and like Mm -hmm. a paint thinner. Um, you basically get this paint that if you paint it on the latex, it bonds with the latex. Because it's part glue, part paint. Uh Uh-huh. And part, Mm -hmm. part like that, that latex material. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so I used that to paint it and I had to be put in the costume, which is, I don't, if you've ever had to wear a latex costume, it's like the most obnoxious thing ever. Like, I don't, if, if you're into it, maybe, but like, I'm not. So like, I was just like, not fun. And I had to, you had to put baby powder all over yourself so that you wouldn't like stick to the costume and then mm-hmm. you get in it and it's cold. It's like, whatever the temperature is, that's what temperature you are. So it's hot or it's cold. You're pretty much like naked. Um, and I had to have my roommate paint me while I stood there with my arms up and it was exhausting Mm -hmm. standing there, your legs start locking and you get exhausted, but like you had the whole thing had to be painted. And then Mm -hmm. she's got these glow in the dark stripes that run down her arms Mm -hmm. and these markings and that had to be done. And I had to make this hair. I ended up taking this, this wig and, and, um, putting, um, craft foam. Uh, I took metal sheets of like aluminum Mm -hmm. and I put craft foam over that and then I laid hair over it and I cut it into like little fingers and I did it so that it could be bent up into like a hand and it was the first time I'd ever done hair that needed to move like that Mm -hmm. and the whole thing ended up working rather well but it took me forever and it was a nightmare logistically getting it all to fit together Mm -hmm. um, because it had to be put on in a certain order and it was very difficult to see because I've got contacts I've got makeup I've got teeth I've got all this other stuff and um I have like you know, like a foot of vision, like from like my nose straight onward and then to a little bit to the side. So like I had to like move my whole body to yeah. like see everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a bit of a headache because I had to kind of make a helmet inside the, the, the headpiece to make it stay on and not slip down. And mm-hmm. I couldn't, you know, talk. I had the tooth. I had one tooth. She has one thing. Okay. So I had one tooth and like that was bothering me all day. And <laughs> it was annoying to wear and it was annoying to make. And then you know, every time I wore it, I have to do touch-ups on it. So that was hard. And then Rose is just difficult because of the face. And then the Rose teeth I made, mm-hmm. which took a really long time because monster teeth, it doesn't matter if it looks scary. But if you're making human teeth and it looks scary, then that's not yeah. good. And I kept, like, going between looking like a hillbilly and looking like a monster. Mm-hmm. Like, with these giant teeth. Mm-hmm. And it took me almost two days to get the teeth right. And I'm still not very happy with them. Um, just because they're not perfect. So... <laughs> <laughs> you sound like you're more of a, uh, of a perfectionist with the prosthetics than you are with the costume. Yeah, I get like that. Mm. I'm rather like there's a lot of things about the mask that actually bother me that mm. I haven't. I'm going to have to if I ever do it again, I'll have to fix. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was and then the hand sewing the sequence was annoying. But like that costume was more of like, a oh, this is annoying mm-hmm. sort of as, as opposed to Midnight, which was just a nightmare, like getting it all figured out. And then. The first time we used the paint, I guess, like, we didn't put the right mixture in, so, like, it wouldn't dry. Mm-hmm. So, like, we painted half of me, and then I was like, why isn't it drying? And, like, I literally, it was freezing. It was, mm-hmm. like, 30 
or something ridiculous. And mm-hmm. I'm standing in this garage covered in like there's newspaper everywhere and I'm in this suit and it's freezing cold and I'm standing there for like hours and I'm exhausted and there's heat lamps all over me. And so like my legs are starting to get like sweaty, but the top of me is still cold mm-hmm. and I'm waiting for this to dry. And we realized like maybe we'd done something so it wouldn't dry. Mm-hmm. So we had to like pour baby powder all over the, the paint and um, let it soak up any extra oils. And then I had to repaint over those spots that had been painted with the new mixture. So those areas were always a little bit too thick. And then it was just sort of a logistic nightmare. And then like I was walking through and like the, the suit got caught on a doornail, like hanging out and then like put a little tear in it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, just no. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want it to spread. No. Right? So I ended up taking a scrap piece from the head because it, it came with like a full mask. It was like mm-hmm. a clown mask or something. It came with it was weird. So I cut a piece of that off and I glued it on the inside with the rubber mask and I and I sealed it and I bonded it together. And so I had I ended up fixing it and it's seamless now. But like it, I was terrified that it was like expensive too. It was like a hundred fifty dollar suit alone. Mm-hmm. So I was like, not the suit. <laughs> 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 right, right. You don't want to have to spend that money again. Yeah. So uh, it sounds like with a lot of this kind of stuff, I mean, you, you know, your your mom helped you out, uh, I'm sure, with some of the uh, workings out of fake teeth. And it sounds like your friend Jeff has been a big help in helping you along with some of the prosthetic work in terms of the face and uh, doing the molds and so forth. But uh, let's go back to basic sewing, because it sounds like you, you tend to make rather than buy your costumes, or commissions, I should say. Um, I make about 85% of my costumes. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I will run out of time, mm-hmm. or I will not um, have the ability to, and I mostly get any costumes I can't finish. Um, I have my, my roommate, Alex, and she's very talented at sewing, and so she... Um, she's helped to make a couple costumes I didn't have the time for. Um, so she's, she's done that, you know, she, I did Jareth and she sewed, she put my coat together for me cause I just didn't have the time before Comic-Con and, mm-hmm. you know, there's a couple other ones that she helped me with and, you know, she's been, she's been a very helpful, um, and all that, but I usually do a most, I do most of everything else myself. Um, I often find that with buying costumes, you end up spending a lot more money on something that's not right. You end mm-hmm. up spending just as much time fixing or spending even more money trying to get it back to the way it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So it's easier, in my opinion, and cheaper to s- just make the costume yourself. Now, are you self-taught? Did you take classes? Did your mom um, help you or what? I'm mostly self-taught. Um, my my mom never actually taught me how to sew. She gave me her old sewing machine. And she said, have at it. Here's all my materials. Um, but she never did. And then I, in high school, I joined the sewing club and I made my first pillow and we made a couple pillows and then I made a pair of pajama pants and, uh, then I graduated the class and that was like pretty much all I had made. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I got the class petition again, like I said, to be an actual, well, the club to an actual class. So right as I was leaving, they had their first class. So mm-hmm. I was no longer in there to my knowledge. It's been four or five years and they're still doing the classes and they're successful. So that's nice. After that, it was more of a, um, do more costumes, do more costumes. Originally, when I first started, the way I learned how to do it was I would go to the thrift store and say, like, I needed to make a dress. I'd buy a dress that looks similar, and then I would tear it apart and use it as a pattern because I didn't know how to use the patterns. And I mostly did that. And then after a while, I got, like, used to, like, okay, this is what pants looks like. This is how to do a sleeve. This Mm -hmm. is how to do a shirt. Dresses are easy. And then, you know, it got to the point where, like, every once in a while I need a pattern. So um, Alex knows how to use patterns. She's take classes. So she showed me how to use patterns, and occasionally I'll have her watch me sew if I'm using a pattern, which mm-hmm. I don't, I don't really use patterns very often. It's very rare. Only if I'm doing like a suit or like something that needs like, you know, it's got pockets and it's got this and this and that, but things like skirts and pants or, and all that stuff are usually pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and so I started learning. She she actually taught me how to use patterns, and so I started been. And I, I go back and forth. I don't I don't have to go to the thrift store anymore um, for patterns. <laughs> Unless it's like a very particularly weird shape, maybe. Yeah, to... sometimes, yeah. But I mean, now I'm at the point where like I you know I'll I'll, I'll see what I can do, and you know occasionally I'll, I'll you know I'll buy a coat like my jack coat. I bought it from some website because I didn't feel like making it because mm -hmm. you know it was like fifty bucks. And I was like whatever. So I ended up and I, even with that I ended up having to replace all the buttons on it mm -hmm. and fix the shoulders and fix the sleeves and add some stuff to the to the inside of it. But um, I've n I don't think I've actually just bought and worn a costume like the way it is like ever. Uh, right. Uh, co commissioned or certainly, um, you know, God forbid, out of a bag, right? Oh, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I always ask, uh, you know, what, what tips do you have for beginning cosplayers? I think more specifically, uh, what advice would you give to someone just starting out into sewing and, and wanting to get into prosthetics in terms of their first steps to get um, into that world? Watch a lot of YouTube videos. Mm -hmm. Google a lot. There is pretty much nothing you can't find online. Like, you want to learn how to make prosthetic teeth? Just go to Google and say, how to make, make prosthetic teeth. And mm -hmm. they'll give you websites where you can buy the materials, and they'll tell you how you can do it. There's, like, hundreds of videos out there. Mm -hmm. um, and that after that, just practice. You know, sewing is the same way. They sell patterns for just about everything. I know the mm -hmm. DW has forums where you can ask for, how do I make this? And, you know, people who have made patterns, a lot of them are online. So you utilize the Internet a lot. Mm -hmm. um, people will want to help you. And if they don't, there's people who've already put stuff out there who you can just get that from. So that's my biggest thing. And, you know, experiment a lot with, with that. And, uh, you can't, you really have to just, you can't, you got to jump into it. Mm -hmm. You got to start out. If you want to start out small, do it, but you're going to, the first couple costumes may not be great. They may be my ugly zombie, horrible thing that was just a monstrosity. Mm -hmm. Pardon the pun, um, but you you can't you can't get good without getting that experience first because no. you make a you make a mistake and then you go well that was a bad idea why don't I do this okay that's good and you just start fixing things a little by little until the point where you don't need to fix as much as just make. Mm -hmm. So I know a, a good thing that uh, I tend to do with um, seamstresses I work with or with Vicky is uh, just do the muslin mock-up first mm -hmm. if you have to work out bugs. Yep. Mm -hmm. Like lapel shape. Especially, or, yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. Fit. Especially with more difficult costumes, definitely get just cheap muslin or mm -hmm. something and just make a mock-up and that ends up being very helpful. Indeed. Indeed, indeed. So what costumes are you working on right now? Right now, I'm working on um, a couple smaller costumes. Um, I have a convention coming up. It's it's more or less like the the gay pride convention that's, that that it's um, everyone goes to. And um, I'm just gonna do I'm doing Moriarty from BBC Sherlock in nice. his little king outfit. Cause that'd be kind of fun to run around with the convention and mm -hmm. like king whatever. Um, and then I'm doing uh, Miguel and Tulio with a friend of mine from El Dorado. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, just going to do, I've got a friend who does a webcomic, and I'm just going to do one of her characters. And then my big costume I have coming up is I'm actually working on a Weeping Angel, mm -hmm. um, which is going to be one of the, I think, the biggest costumes I've ever worked on. Um, not that it's hard, it's just going to be uh, time-consuming. Mm -hmm. um, yep. And it's going to be a lot of detail, which I'm very excited about. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I've always wanted to do one, but I refused to touch it until I felt like I was ready um, talent-wise to be able to handle it such a costume mm 
Um, so I finally reached the point and I've been talking with Jeff for, for several months now and we've been doing a lot of research and we figured out how they were made and we figured out how, how to adapt them to something that I can, I can move around in, I can talk and I can eat. Mm-hmm. Right, right. But still I, I, it, it's, it's going to, it's looking like it's going to work out perfectly. And, uh, and the plan is to just have something that looks like it walked off the screen. So I'm pretty excited about that. And if it goes well, then, um, once the molds are made, I can actually, um, sell them to, to other people who might potentially want to make, um, to do weeping angels. And I think Mm -hmm. it'd be kind of fun to at some point have an (laughs) army of weeping angels and to storm Gallifrey and, and, and do that with some, some of my select friends and stuff. So I think that'd be fun. Nice. Nice. So the, the fun thing about foam is you can make expressions with it. Mm -hmm. It follows your face if it's glued. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm going to do a midway between the, the, stone-faced so to speak angel where she's very like she's in her crying and she's very like um neutral and the angry one where it's a very um middle ground and that way um if i open my mouth and furrow my eyebrows the mask will go into that position naturally Mm -hmm. and then i'll be able to relax it and be able to do whatever and uh sight's going to be a little bit tricky but we figured out a way um the way they do it in the show is they have uh holes with caps on them Mm -hmm. they pop the caps in and they stick the angels in place and they hold their breath or they do whatever they're doing and they don't move and they don't need to see. Mm-hmm. What we're doing instead is I'm going to put like a slit in the water line and I'll be able to see out of that. And nice. we've done some experiments with, with the shading and stuff and you won't be able to tell the difference. Nice. Because nice. I'm not doing blind again. <laughs> no, I don't recommend anybody does blind uh, <laughs> unless they really love that costume. Yeah. Yeah. And they have a good handler. So the good thing about the angels is that makeup will actually be very easy. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, I can't paint myself. So um, I've had some uh, of Rachel and, and Kevin, some of my friends, they've agreed to um, paint me while I'm um, just just the arms. And then I think like the neck and back and the wings are going to be some some interesting the way they I can't I can't do it the way they did it because it's just not going to happen. But I found a, way, a different way to do it. That'll work just fine. Um but other than that, just I don't have to do my face. I don't have to the, glue the face down, glue the hair down, glue, put the dress on. I'm gonna have to glue the straps on. They don't move, and then it's just a matter of painting everything else. Mm-hmm. So the downside with the wings, because they had these um, garter belts or not garter belts, corset yeah. things that had plastic on their um, shoulder blades, mm-hmm. and then that wings would mount in there. But the wings were styrofoam. Um, I don't have the ability to make that rig. Um, and those styrofoam wings would break as soon as someone ran into them. Mm-hmm. The good thing about being on set is that, okay, weeples, uh, weeping angels are coming out. Nobody go near them. Yeah. All right. No problem. Conventions, not only will people go, oh, look, wings, let me touch this. Yeah. Oh, oh, I didn't see you there. Like runs into you, you know, sort of thing. Or you turn and you hit a wall without thinking about it. Or you mm-hmm. try to sit down and the wings are all pushing up. And, and crowds, you, right. Crowds, everything. So mm-hmm. I'm going to have to do it out of something else. But I've I found a, a different way to do it that'll work just as well. And um, it's going to be a lot of like, um, piping and, and, and foam and wire and, and craft foam and things like that, but mm-hmm. it should look just fine. So I'm pretty excited. Awesome. Sounds like quite a long-term project. Yeah. It should take about a month or two. Okay. It's not too bad. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, I, I, just as another side step, do you have any sources you recommend for people to start with, uh, materials in any of these? Yes. There's a couple different places you can go. There's two stores in LA that I love and, uh, they are Cinema Secrets, which is cheaper, um, and they've got less stuff. And there's another place called Friends Beauty Supply. It's F-R-E-N-D-S, and they have a website as well. And they have 
everything you can imagine. They've got casting, they've got a wall of blood, they've got paint, they've got makeup, they've got an entire section for beauty and hair and wigs and mustaches. They have every single thing you can possibly think of and you can ask them questions and they'll tell you how to do stuff. There is mm-hmm. fake eyes for dolls. There is literally everything you can imagine. As, a, as any kind of effects artist, I love friends. They can be a little bit pricier, but not so crazy that you can't afford it. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are for people in LA. Um, the only other website that I really use often is um, Berman Industries has some pretty good stuff. They're a little cheaper. And uh, um, there's a place called Monster Club, which is just monsterclub.com. And it's got an, it's got a lot of um, materials and stuff, supplies that you can get. For the longest time before I, I started getting stuff from mom, I used to get stuff from Monster, Monster Club. Mm-hmm. Um, and they sell pre-made prosthetic faces that you can get mm-hmm. um, in, from popular movies. Um, I know they do sell, if you look online, you can actually Google things like um, Doctor Who cat nurse mask. And the, they actually make prosthetic masks that aren't very good, mm-hmm. but they're better than like you painting your face with finger paint sort of thing. Sure, sure. Um, and you can actually build onto them and, and add fur and add things yourself and, and sort of uh, warp that if that's something you're interested in. So there's a lot of that kind of stuff online that people don't really think of or, or, or that. So, yeah, that would be. And you can always just Google like... Um, casting alginate <laughs> right and then right. oh hey look there's all these websites you mm-hmm. know or pre-made halloween masks or pre-made mm-hmm. um i suggest like foam latex so just go like uh star trek ears foam latex mm-hmm. or you know that sort of thing and it's rather easy to find stuff very cool very cool uh, i i'm familiar certainly with the uh, the first couple that you mentioned and uh they were a big help with some of my uh projects with the Cyberman and the Master and such. So. Yeah, I'd imagine. <laughs> yeah. Big thumbs up for me as well. Um, oh, and there's one more place I wanted to mention. There's uh-huh. a place called Coast Airbrush in LA, and they also have a website, and they've got everything you could ever need for airbrushing. They've got regular paints, they've got makeup paints, and you can say, and make sure you tell them, like, this is what I plan to use this for. Mm-hmm. I usually use the silicone-based paints because you can, like, run around in them, and you can sweat, and you can mm-hmm. go swimming, and the paint won't crack or crinkle or wear off unless you wash it off. Mm-hmm. Um, but they sell all kinds of stuff, and you can get airbrushes there for $30, and you can get cans of air at Michael's for like 10 bucks, and you'll have your own airbrush, and it works okay. I mean, I just, you know, I, I got tired of using, you know, I, I use airbrush so often now that, you know, I went and got a nice one, but good, cheap works too. So, mm-hmm. you know, I would, I would experiment, I would say, say experiment with that and have fun with it. Oh, contacts. There's two contact websites I wanted to suggest. Mm-hmm. One of them is just extreme. I think I can't remember if it's extreme effects or extreme SFX, but if you type in like extreme SFX or extreme effects contacts online, you'll find it. They have a wide variety of contacts that are a little cheaper and you don't need a prescription, but they also have that as an option. Mm-hmm. And you can get like a decent pair of contacts anywhere between 25 and 100. You know, like the regular eye contacts are like 30. And then you can get like red eyes or vampire eyes or whatever, mm-hmm. swirl or, or diagonal, whatever, for mm-hmm. like 60. And then they sell sclera, which are full contacts. They completely cover your eye. Oh, wow. Um, and I have a pair of black ones. But definitely before you buy sclera, look up some YouTube videos on how to put them in because you may not be one of the people that can't put them in. They're rather hard. You have to put them in, hold up your eyelid, and kind of feed the contact up into your eye socket, and mm-hmm. then hold down your bottom lid and let it fall into it. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard for people who are either A, not used to putting in contacts, and B, not good at like, 
I mean, you're essentially shoving something in your eye socket, like yeah. up into your uh, your head, mm-hmm. like not as easy as it sounds. <laughs> are they are they even decent to wear for a good length of time, or do yeah. you have to? You um I, <laughs> you're technically you're not supposed to wear them for more than like three or four hours at a time. But you can just pop them out and then put them back in again, or you can put drops in your eyes. It's just a matter of like your eyes need to breathe. So mm-hmm. put them in, take them out after four hours, put them back in, or put them in, put a drop eye drops in. I am a silly person. And I did the 2D from the gorillas once, and he's got big black sclera eyes. And I was ambitious and thought, I don't need to do that. I'm I'm just going to be really strong and not complain, and it'll be fine. And so after about six or seven hours, by the time we finally got to Comic-Con, because it was one of those, it was a horrible convention. We got there late every day. I got there at like 2 p.m., and I was so blind and in so much pain. Like, my eyes had swelled up red. Mm. And it looked great for the character, because the character looks like he hasn't slept in a month, and I look fantastic mm-hmm. in all my pictures. But I couldn't see, and I actually had to have my Murdoch with my, hold my hand and carry, like, show me around to the convention so we can get to the place where we're doing pictures. So I can get pictures of the thing and get out of the contacts, because... I couldn't see, and that was after six or seven hours. And I hadn't bothered to put in eye drops. I hadn't bothered to do any of that. Mm-hmm. So that was really poor planning on my behalf. Mm-hmm. Um, and as soon as I got it out, I got those contacts out. And you have to be really careful because if you do that, mm-hmm. and you, you know, I could have pulled out a cornea, mm-hmm. or like you can rip out retinas and things mm-hmm. like that. So mm-hmm. you have to be super careful. Um, so definitely, if you're planning on wearing sclera. Definitely look into it, look up how to wear them, how to put them in, and take care of your eyes because they can be kind of scary. The other website I like, and they have beautiful, perfect contacts. Most of the movies that you see use contacts from the site, but they can be a little pricey. It's called Nine Millimeter, um, mm-hmm. 9mm.com. And they have like a lot of movies, like Lord of the Rings use their contacts. Um, they have like a list of movies that have used their contacts. And mm-hmm. they have beautiful contacts. They have um, Legolas's eyes were used, those blue eyes mm-hmm. they sell. But it's like um, for a pair of those blue Legolas eyes, it's like two, three hundred dollars for the pair of them. Right. And each contact runs about sixty to three hundred dollars. Or two to like two hundred dollars. I know that one Scalera can run for like 200 their most expensive contacts they have are these mirror contacts Mm -hmm. they're full contacts and they're like mirrored lenses Mm -hmm. so you're literally looking at like a mirror it looks like a robot eyes oh yeah like from uh, where no man has gone before yeah super cool but the set is like 500 Mm dollars so that's kind of a a place to go if you really don't mind spending a little extra for something that's really amazing Mm -hmm. um and my recommendation for also for storing the contacts is the best place you can store your contacts is um get your contact cases Put all your contacts somewhere and then stick them in the fridge because the fridge acts as a vacuum and it keeps all dirt and bacteria from getting into your contacts Mm -hmm. and it keeps them moist because the fridge is a rather um, moist place. Just keep them away from like a freezing shelf. Mm -hmm. So sometimes like someone's fridge might get a little cold at the top, Mm -hmm. but you put it in the freezer and your contacts will last for years and years and years. Hmm. And make sure you just go in every once in a while and re-add solution to them. But um, I have, like I said, Jeff's got contacts that are, you know, 20 years old that like the worst that's happened is that the color started to fade off a little bit mm-hmm. so that that's my my other recommendation for that um what uh what would you say your recommendation is for not only sourcing uh but also uh the importance of wearing a good wig with your costume <sighs> oh wigs wigs oh wigs um i'm probably going to do a whole podcast with some wig at some point but yeah. you know like to hit the the gamut um Definitely get wig caps. Go to a place, there's Sally's Beauty Supplies or any beauty supply store, and they sell them for rather cheap. Wig cap, you get like a pack for like $3. 
Um, put a wig cap in, you know, um, once the wig cap is on your head and all the hair's tucked in, take a hairspray and spray like in a crown around your head and hair dry it. And that will actually keep the cap from sliding all over the place because hmm. you're essentially spraying it into your hair and it stays rather well. I like to use got to be, which is like a freeze spray. It's very strong, like the hairspray and mm -hmm. it keeps it in there. And once that's on, um, you know, make sure that the wigs have little tabs in them and you make sure the tabs are lined up with your, your essentially your temples and, you know, pull them in. Bobby pin as much as you can because if they're bobby pinned in, they won't go anywhere. Or wig clips. Wig clips are good too. Um, places to get wigs. I like, um, for more cartoony, anime, video game wigs, I love Arda wigs, A-R-D-A. Um, and they sell things that are pretty cheap. You can get um, anything about shoulder length throughout 35, 40, and then you can get longer like down to your middle back for about 40, 50. Some of the lace front wigs are 60. They sell multicolored wigs, but they're really thick. They're good for animes and video games. A more mm -hmm. realistic place to get wigs, um, there's a site called Amphigory, A-M-P-H-I-O-R-Y, Amphigory. Um, and the place that, the problem with that is they have a lot of wigs, but some of them are like the crap, cruddy party wigs. Mm -hmm. So you have to be careful of that. And then other than that, eBay is actually pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, you just have to make sure that you are getting what you pay for. So if you pay, oh, look, I found this wig. It's only $5. You're, if you're lucky, it might be decent, but it's probably not going to be. Mm -hmm. um, and your local wig store isn't a bad place to go. Just keep in mind that some wig stores are expensive and they sell only human hair and it's stupidly priced. Yeah. Um, there's two places in San Diego I like. There's one called Granada Wigs. Typically places where like, to be honest, like places where you might find drag queens or like LA or Hillcrest or Hollywood and, you know, in San Francisco, you know, places like that where you might find a lot of, of theater or drag queens and stuff. You know, if you know any drag queens, ask them because they know <laughs> great places to get wigs. Mm -hmm. um, but that's typically where you're going to find cheaper wigs that are high quality synthetic fibers and they're really great. So mm -hmm. I like Granada in, in San Diego, G-R-E-N-A-D-A. -E and then there's another place in Oceanside in San Diego called uh, Oriental Wigs and Gifts. And um, they have pretty decent prices. You can get wigs for like 25, 30. Mm -hmm. I've gotten lace fronts there for like 40. Mm -hmm. right. And uh, eBay's also, I mean, you just search for it and look at the picture. If it looks like it's shiny, if, you know, if you're seeing pictures that, you know, a lot of different, sometimes wig sites will um, pull a picture, like on eBay, it'll say long blonde wig, and it'll mm -hmm. show a picture of a girl wearing a blonde wig. And, you know, it might not be that wig. So right. do your research. And the other thing is, like, if it, like, sometimes, like, I've gone, like, wig shopping before online, and I found it was like, oh, this is, like, a short black bob, and, like, it's some girl, and it's, like, her hair. Uh-huh. Don't buy that wig. <laughs> Yeah. Kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, for me, realism, the, the key is like, go, go for a matte wig, not a shiny wig. And yeah. Yeah, there, there's some wig shops. Uh, Scott and I uh, recommend Outfitter Wigs here in Hollywood. We, we go there all the time. I know mm -hmm. there's a couple other shops down that street that are good too. And uh, sometimes I'll, uh, if I know the wig, like if I'm very used to a particular wig name or style, I'll go right to the brand name site. Mm -hmm. And maybe order extra if I need to. And usually going right to the site will cut, yeah. you know, 20 to 50% off depending on the wig. Mm -hmm. So that's just for like replacements or similar styles or whatever. Um, my only other two things are one, when you're shopping on eBay, look at the estimated delivery date. Yeah. Because I bought a wig before and then I looked at it and it was like, and your wig will come in in three months. And mm -hmm. you're like, whoa, yep. I can't do that. And then eBay is not very good on returns sometimes. And the other thing is, is that, um, 
uh, coloring wigs. If it's a synthetic wig, you can color it. Um, you can use like a fabric dye sometimes works in a hot water. You can soak the wig in the fabric dye or you can paint it on. Um, the other thing I've, I use is it's, you can get some sort of inks. A lot of times will work. Um, and I usually use the Sharpie rubbing alcohol method, mm -hmm. which is where you get like just isopropyl rubbing alcohol, preferably in like the 70, 80 range. And you take a Sharpie, like you go on a blue Sharpie and you pop it open, you get the, the cartridge inside and you stick it in the rubbing alcohol and you shake it around and you can dye a wig that way. Hmm. And, um, that was usually, is usually how I dye wigs. The only downside is that it's hard to dye wig black because Sharpies, um, black Sharpies are purple based. Mm. So your wig will turn purple. Good to so know. You have to use that ink or like a dye for that. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, to make them lighter, I found the only thing you can do to make a wig lighter, if it's synthetic, is makeup. I've used airbrush on a wig to turn it into lighter color or my past, more pastel color or, you know, because you can't dye a wig lighter. You can't bleach no. wigs because I tried and it just melts them. Yeah, good to know. <laughs> um, but I have found that you can put makeup and, and uh, India ink and other inks and stuff on like whites or like lighter colors and you mm -hmm. just sort of soak the wig or you paint it on. But you have to be careful because some inks can dry kind of crusty and you get this kind of crunchy wig thing going on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's uh, why I like makeup. For, for our Solon wig, I ended up having to paint a white wig black and I just used Ugh. that colored hairspray, which, hey, for a stage thing, worked fine for <laughs> 10 minutes, but it's definitely not a long-term solution, nor would it really look that great up close. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It worked fine for a few photos and a stage skit, which is all it needed to do. That was my only intent, but yes, in future, I'm duly noting on these these other methods in case i got to repurpose another wig. Yep. <laughs> Wish I'd known that before. I probably would have saved me. I mean, I went through like two cans of paint, and afterwards, oh, it, like, it looked no. good enough, but like, it had that crunchy and, yeah. Oh, no. That's... But it was a $1 wig, <laughs> yeah. so not a big deal. Yeah, and then the only thing I guess I can say is if you want to make a curly wig straight, um, hot water will straighten out a curly wig. Mm -hmm. If you um, have a curly wig, depending on this, the quality of it, if you put boiling water on it, it might shrivel up. Uh -huh. Some wigs will be fine. Um, but basically, you figure out the hottest amount of water, like do a strand test or something, and just get a chunk of the wig and put hot water on it and see how hot you can get it. And then whoever the hottest level is, um, get the wig somewhere and just pour hot water on it and brush it out straight. And after you do this a couple times and like you let it dry, brush it out, do this, like even the tightest curly wigs will go back to being straight and wash your wigs, please. Yes. Wash your wigs. Yes. They get so gross and sweaty and musty makeup selling, and musty yeah. and, mm -hmm. you know, it's just as bad as body odor and you may not even realize it. And yes. like, you know, for breezing your wigs only works so many times. And like you, when you make a wig, keep in mind the fact that you're going to have to wash it. Don't put glue in it unless mm -hmm. you're going to throw it away and buy a new one because mm -hmm. at some point your wig is going to be unstyled and covered in sweat and gross things and you're going to have to wash it. So. Yes, there and there's fairly <laughs> cheap wig shampoos out there. I've I've now got a. Oh, you don't even bottle. need to weird. You don't need to use wig shampoos. You oh can yeah. Just, well, what what do you use? I just use I use whatever shampoo I have. I like Aussie and mm. and you know Neutrogena or whatever. It's just okay. shampoo. Just shampoo. Yeah, just shampoo the wig. You don't need mm. to buy. It's it's like one of those things where you can buy fancy wig dye. I think, but why spend fifty bucks when you can just spend five bucks on Sharpie? Looks just as good. No, that's true. That's totally true. So. And, but I know that for some of my wigs that are, that are very specifically styled for some doctors, Tom Baker's easy, it's just a bunch of curls, but like the Matt Smith wig I have up there or the Davison or the McGann, if I wash them, 
I'm not a hairstylist. It means I got to go back to a hairstylist or the wig stylist and say, okay, wash this, but I need it yeah. also restyled. So that's another potential expense you're looking at if yeah. it's a very specific style. So that's why I say, you know, especially that's why I think the shampoo is good because you're going to, it doesn't matter. It's all going to get washed. Mm -hmm. But um, if you're going to have to spend money to get it restyled, you might as well not be spending a lot on, I mean, you could spend $2 on $3 on shampoo. The other thing I recommend though is don't just stop with the shampoo Put some conditioner in it and soak it in a thing of water mm -hmm. for about half an hour to an hour and then wash it out. And don't wash out all the conditioner because it leaves oils in the wig that make it easier, uh, less likely to tangle. Mm. Um, I don't really think this is necessary for shorter wigs, but if you have a slightly longer wig, um, definitely soak it in, in, the, in the conditioner because it'll prevent it from um, tangling. Mm. And you can buy something from the store which um, uh, black women use for their hair because it gets really thick. Mm -hmm. um, it's called motion spray. And it's essentially just an oil spray that people use if they've got really thick or really um, knotty hair. And mm. you put it on your wig that's long and it keeps it from um, getting knots in it. Mm. And when it does get knots in it, it makes it 100 times easier to brush them out. It's like detangler spray that you leave in your hair sort of thing. Gotcha. And it's just like that wigs typically, typically like oils works better. But again, you don't want to put too much in because then your wig starts looking like party city. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to add <laughs> shine to it unless that's part of your look. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. So. Very good stuff. Wow. Yeah. Oh, and then uh, with the Sharpie, um, mm -hmm. if you ever want to um, have your wig go back to the regular color again, you just soak it in rubbing alcohol and it'll all come out. The, the plain alcohol. Yeah. Makes sense. So. Yeah, it's, it's like pulling out an ink stain really from your pants or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, awesome. Uh, is there any place uh, online people can uh, follow your costumes, Facebook, blog, anything? Yes. Um, my main place is my DeviantArt, um, which is A-L-C-Blue-Yes. Uh, just look for me on DeviantArt. It would be alcblueeyes.deviantart.com. Um, my other place you can find me is on Facebook, which is Amanda Winter. Um, I pretty much put everything up on those two places, mostly going to be on my DeviantArt. Um, if you have any questions about anything, if you'd like commissions on wigs or, or fangs or makeup, you can send me a message and I'll be more than happy to answer questions that you have. Um, and that's about it. So. Awesome. I'll post those links in the um, blog post when this goes up as well, so cool. people can find it much more easy. But, um, yeah, this has been awesome. Uh, any final thoughts? Mm, looking forward to, to Gallifrey. I'm looking forward to everything, and I'm um, excited to see where my uh, interest takes me and, and meeting everyone. And, you know, it's been really awesome meeting um, Bob here. is a very talented uh, costumer himself, and uh, he certainly knows what he's doing. And yeah, you know, I try. <laughs> so uh yeah definitely check them all out check everyone out and you know just jump into it and have an adventure or something all right jump into it have an adventure every every podcast <laughs> i feel like i'm gonna have to come up with a new t-shirt or, or gala ribbon or something <laughs> so that'll be that'll be good awesome well uh then thank you so much for being on mm -hmm. thank you so much for having me and we'll be back next week with more costume shop talk here at costume station zero